a very uh, generous introduction. And now that's, uh, you can have a seat. Um, standing ovation before I start, that's nice. Uh, and apparently, according to Steve, I'm a very gifted communicator. So um, I'm looking forward to uh, proving that theory. Um, so I, thanks so much for having me here. Um, and uh, it's really nice to come and see Water Nick's church. Uh, uh, I know I've known Ward and Nick for a long, long time, obviously, but um, Ward is, uh, I've always loved about Ward is he's such a great man of God, um, and uh, he's always been a man of uh, the word and of prayer. I remember when I was younger hearing stories of him going on his prayer walks. I think there's one in particular that stuck in my mind that he was walking and praying in tongues and the cops came and saw you or something because they're like, what's this weirdo doing? <laughs> but anyway, uh, I love this church. There's a great sense of the Holy Spirit here. Um, uh, it's either that or there's a gas leak in one of these things over here. So <laughs> um, anyway, great, great sense of the Holy Spirit. Um, okay, I, I wanted to talk today on um, focus. Um, I have been challenged a lot lately on focus. I think guys in particular, I, I don't know, I don't, maybe this is not your experience, but for me, uh, I am foc- I, I, my focus can be all over the place sometimes. I, can, I get very distracted uh, by a lot of things. Um, and I know that when I'm distracted, that my focus uh, or my life is actually pretty ineffectual. I find I find that what could be going well in my life may not be going well in my life because I'm doing something over here. I drop that and I go and do that over there and then I drop it and I go do, do something else and I've lost the focus. I've lost what I'm meant to be doing and we had a great, uh, a great uh, preacher come recently to our church and he was just talking on focus and uh, just in a staff meeting and it really dropped in my spirit um, that I need to get focused this year. Um, what am I going to be focused on? And actually, we went out, I was, took him out for lunch later on, and we were talking, and I, we had one of those moments. He's quite prophetic. And uh, we were sitting, and we were talking about something totally different, and he just turned to me and he said, uh, so what are you going to focus on this year, Reuben? And I was like, I'd already had a feeling like this is what I should be doing. But for me, focus has to be on something. Your focus has to be on something. And then I like to go and make a list. I don't know about you guys, but I love lists. I love goals. I love doing all those kind of things. And so I went and did a list. What am I focusing on at the moment? It's massive. I've got this massive list. Um, Anyway, so this is it. At home, I've got obviously Deb and the kids. Very important focus. Um... And then, uh, and obviously that's not a focus I can drop, <laughs> nor would I want to. Yeah. Now, then at church, I have, you know, my job. You know, I look after, I'm the, uh, the services pastor, I look after the 25 to 40 generation, which is about 700 people. And you can get some, there's a lot of pastoral moments involved in that. And that can, your focus, even within that, can chop and change all over the place. Starting new connect groups, making sure your connect groups are healthy, pastoral stuff, services, all that kind of stuff. Then I go, 
well, let's have a look at my personal life. What am I into? This is where my list gets really long because I'm very focused on myself, obviously. Um, but like just within what I love to do is like, for instance, like I love triathlon. So well, obviously, um, but I, uh, and so does Jordan. Jordan loves triathlon, don't you, Jordan? No. Um, so within that, there's swimming, biking and running. Then I love to ride a motocross bike. I love, I love getting out on my, and then I love surfing with my boy. He loves surfing and uh, I have no problems at all. Isn't that funny? You, you have your kids and they, you know, I've got two, two girls and a boy and it's very easy for me to hang out with my boy because he's like, Dad, can we go riding motorbikes or can we go surfing? Or can, and I'm like, yeah. Uh, and then obviously girls aren't like that. So anyway, side note. Um, then this year I learned to snowboard as well. So there's all this list of things, I, you know. And when I get into something, I really like to get into it. So I buy all the magazines, I start watching the, the movies and, you know, all that kind of stuff and I just love it. And then... C3 cyclists, so we do a thing every year where we go away and we're uh, riding from Port Macquarie up to uh, Sunshine Coast and that takes up, up, up focus as well. And then I have all these business ideas that I have rolling around in my head. You know, I want to go and start a business and go and do this and I'm like, where's my time with God? Where's my, where's my relationship with God in all of that? And it fits somewhere along the list and I'm like, well, where's my focus for the year? What am I doing? And I realize that I'm very, it's very easy to motivate yourself when it comes to the stuff that you love to do. So when it comes to the boys giving you a call and saying, hey, let's go and ride motocross bikes, done, I'm there. No problems whatsoever. When you feel God calling you to go and pray in the mornings, it's not so easy. It's, it's, it's you know, you feel a call on your heart, but, oh, I'm tired, I, I can't get up or... You know, something like that. And that's when I realized God's intention for us was to have intimate, close relationship with him. That was his original intention. In fact, back in the garden, he had, his intention was us to walk unashamed in constant communion with him, constant relationship with him. And since that didn't work out so well because of Adam and Eve, thanks very much, um, he had to introduce, and this is my second point, Jesus Christ. He had to introduce Jesus Christ into the picture. He had to send him to die for us so there would be no blockage, so we could have a relationship with him. Then, when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, he left the Holy Spirit here for us. So there's three major points in Christian history or the history of the world that point towards the importance of a relationship with him. The garden, sending Jesus Christ and leaving the Holy Spirit for us. And if we can get those things, if we can understand how important that is, then I think we can start focusing properly on what his original intention was. So he calls out for intimacy with us every day. He wants to hear your voice. He actually wants to hear your voice in communion with him. He wants you to ask him questions. He wants closeness and nothing less will do for him. He demands it of us. But what stops us? Well, it has to be our distractions. Our distractions stop us from having a relationship with Christ or our relationship with God. 
What we focus on grows and what we don't focus on doesn't. Steve Jobs has this great quote and it says, focusing is about saying no. It's not about saying yes, it's actually about saying no to the things that are going on in your world. I'd like to introduce uh, Samson. Who knows Samson? I love, I love the Old Testament stories of these great, you know, these great old uh, men and, and uh, women and, and stuff like that. Because they, I believe the insights into their character show so much in their relationship with God. See, Samson was a man of many distractions. And Samson's distractions mainly came in the form of women. And um, I'm not blaming the women. It was actually Samson's fault, obviously. He was the guy with the distractions. Um, but let, I'm going to take you back to the beginning because it's good to have some context for who Samson was and what he was doing. So Judges 13 verse 5 says, uh, God's talking and he says, You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and his hair must never be cut. He will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. So you see, what a Nazarite was, there was some certain, uh, there were rules around who a Nazarite was, but a Nazarite was basically a man dedicated to God. He would never cut his hair. Uh, actually, Samson was a Nazarite. Uh, he was meant to be a permanent Nazarite, which means you didn't cut your hair from when you were born to when you died. So he was actually even, even more special, but they weren't allowed to eat grapes, raisins, or drink any wine. Um, fine on the raisins part. I don't, I don't know who eats raisins anyway, so that's cool. He couldn't cut his hair. So what? <laughs> For me, never been a problem. Um, but he could, and then he couldn't go anywhere near corpses or grapes. I mean, that wasn't... But Anyway, that was just one of the rules. He, he couldn't do that. But, see, Samson was meant to be a man set apart from God. So when people... When he came down the, the, the road, people knew he was a man dedicated to God because of his hair. It was outside. You know, it's so easy in life to... Uh, or in, in your work environment and uh, to... You know, do, do people know that you're a Christian? You know, this is, it's such a, you know, I, I've, I've found this very challenging sometimes because um, in my work environment, obviously church is a lot different when you work at church, everyone knows you're a Christian. Um, in the corporate environment, very, very different. But the corporate environment is, um, do people know that you're a Christian? Uh, you know, I had this um, guy say to me, uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't a Christian, and he said to me one day, oh, I don't, there's nothing different about you Christians anyway. And I said, he's a very good friend of mine. And I said, well, what, what, what do you mean by that? And I was thinking he's had an experience in the past for sure with Christians. So he's telling me um, this story. And uh, he, was, he was saying to me, well, you know, I used to have this girlfriend and she was a Christian. And uh, I'm going, okay, I can see where this is going already. Uh, and he said, uh, and I went to um, this Christian, and he does this, Christian um, concert. And when we were there, we were sitting around in a circle and um, everyone was smoking a bong. And <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, no. He's gone to a Christian concert 
and everyone's sharing a bomb. I'm like, I was just about to say, hey, mate, listen, not all Christians smoke drugs. And he said, and would they share it with me? No, they would not share it. <laughs> so his whole experience with Christians is that they wouldn't share. Not that they smoke drugs. Anyway, that was a little side note. I wanted to put that story in somewhere. I just had to shoehorn it in. Um, Samson was uh, a guy set apart from, uh, for, for, for God. It says in verse 24, when her son was born, she named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. How's this? So the Spirit of the Lord began to work inside of him. He began to know who he was. You know, from a young age, he wouldn't have known what he was meant to do or who he was meant to be, but the Holy Spirit started to stir in it, you know, within him. And, you know, I think this is the same with all of us. We have an experience somewhere along the way with the Holy Spirit, and it draws us towards a relationship with God. It draws us to him. I remember my first experience, I'll I'll never, ever forget it. It was, you know, I was going to a different uh, youth group at the time. I was 13. And my relationship with God up until that point had been through really my parents because that's the way it is with a kid. If you grow up in a Christian home, you really have your relationship through your parents sometimes. They were pastors and uh, I didn't realize it, but I remember getting to 13 um, and uh, I I don't know, I I, I just remember thinking, is God real? Is God, you know, is, is God actually real? Like, is this whole thing, what if... What if we, um, what if the world were to end today and we, find, you know, we were to find out we, we all had it wrong, you know? That, these are the questions that went on inside my head. Um, and they were, I think they were valid questions that we all ask ourselves at times. I, I experienced that when I was 13. So I said to God, God, if you're real, then I want to hear from you. I want to know who you are. And I remember going up, making a decision. I actually... You know, sometimes you've got to make a decision and, and take a step towards God. And as I took that step towards God, and it was in a setting like this, um, in a youth meeting, and I came forward, uh, and I remember being, someone was praying for me. I remember just saying, God, if you're real, I really want to feel you. And it's the first time I ever felt the Holy Spirit. And it was unmistakable. I will never, ever, ever forget it. Ever forget it. And so I knew from that day forward that God was real. That was it for me. I didn't need to, my mum and dad didn't need to, you know, convince me of anything or anything like that. I knew God was real. I was only 13, um, but obviously I'd experienced God in his, in, in his reality. Um, so Samson's number one, uh, I, I, I kind of preface that, but, you know, I think... The rest of my life, I've left fairly distracted, I would say. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you live, you experience God, and you're constantly drawn to, to relationship in God, but you've still got to keep making decisions to stay close to Him. Any relationship requires work. So Samson was uh, regularly distracted, first by a Philistine woman. Um, it, says, it says that this, this Philistine woman caught his eye, literally caught his eye, He's walking along and she caught his eye and he was distracted from what he was meant to be doing. Totally distracted. And he then, he then says to his father, go and get her for me. She looks good to me. It was the look, 
you know, it had, ca- it had caught his eye. Then he gets distracted with a prostitute. That, I'd call that pretty distracted. Like, he spends a night with a prostitute in Gaza. Then he marries uh, Delilah. Now, Delilah is the woman that was going to destroy him eventually. And uh, funnily enough, her name actually means weakened or she who, it means she who weakened or uprooted or impoverished. Isn't that funny? So Samson actually knew that he was getting into a, a bad relationship when he got into it. But see, he was so distracted from what he was meant to be doing. He was so distracted on his original call that God had, had given him to be a man of God, to be that man that he'd called him to be. And then he goes through these things in his life. And I believe they are moments where God is trying to remind him of who he is. God is trying to remind him of his focus and get his eyes off his distractions. And it's when he starts to defeat certain things. Firstly, he defeats and kills a lion. It says the spirit comes upon him powerfully. I believe that was God trying to remind him, hey, I'm trying to remind you, this is what... And he kills a lion with his bare hands. Then he kills 30 men. Some would call that being a murderer. Um, but, you know, in, God was reminding him, it says the, the Spirit came upon him powerfully again. Then it says he kills a thousand men. So Samson's a bit of a mass murderer now. It's kind of gone up a few levels. But this is what it says. It says... In verse 14, as Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph, but the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrists. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed a thousand Philistines with it. Then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men which doesn't actually rhyme, but I don't, I, it was obviously, he was, and, and then listen to this, he said, when he, when he finished his boasting, um, now, when I first read this, I was like, okay, he was boasting in the Lord, so that's okay. He was boasting of God's great triumph that had just happened in his, in his life, what God had, it says, when he had finished his bo- boasting, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was named Jawbone Hill. Then it says, you have a, and then he was thirsty, so he's looking for water. And then listen to what he says. He says, he's talking to God, you have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I die of thirst? And it goes on. He was saying, this is, this is Samson's second great distraction. It was himself. See, he thought he'd brought about the great victories himself. He actually was telling God, did you see what I just did? Give me some water. Like, can't you see what I just did? And uh, so he was totally distracted from himself. Um, and a combination, you know, I think this is uh, fascinating. Uh, you know, in an Australian culture, we're self-made people. You know, the hero of our culture is someone who has made it themselves. Someone who, you know, arrived here with no money on a boat and made a multi-million dollar empire or, you know, the man who, you know, uh, you know, had a really bad upbringing but, you know, that self-made 
made themselves. Um, but, you know, we know in Christianity our, our strength comes from God. It doesn't come from ourselves. But despite himself, even though he, he was pretty, had a fairly selfie, uh, healthy self-opinion, Samson's relationship with Delilah was about to take him down. You know the story. She keeps asking him, Samson, what's your strength? Samson, what's your strength? He keeps lying to her. He breaks the chains. He breaks all, you know. Then finally, she nags and nags and nags and nags. And he gets gets him. And he says, it says in verse 17, finally Samson shared his secret with her. He would have known what was going to happen, but he was tired and he was over it and God seemed a long, far, uh, a long way away. His focus was so much on Delilah that he was about to give up everything for her. It says, My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head was shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Amazing. His relationship with Delilah had totally taken his focus off what was meant to be happening. And, you know, I've had this experience in my life. You know, we've moved around. We've moved to Brisbane. Then we moved to Perth. And then we moved to New York City. There's a moment in time when we were in Perth when I was, uh, uh, you know, I was in the corporate world. And Perth's a desert, right? Literally a desert. Um, But... I actually spiritually felt like I was in a desert, totally far from God, totally far from anything. Totally, that relationship that I'd had with God, I felt like was totally gone. So I, I understand, you know, and I think we'd all understand at times, we've all had those times where we've been far from Him and we, we, we ask questions. But let's continue the story. I'm out of that now, by the way, so let's just preface that. I just don't want to forget. Yeah, I just, <laughs> just don't want to forget and not, and not, not wrap that part up properly. Um, it said, so he, 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 he tells the story. He, he, he tells the secret. She lulls him to sleep, shaves off his head, and it says this. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. Whoa, what a surprise, Delilah. Um, when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So he thought, he still thought at that time, I am the, I'm the guy to do this. I'm, I'm the guy that can bring this home. I, I, I can still defeat this. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Such a powerful, such a, such a, um, such a powerful scripture that the, it would actually say that the Lord had, had left him, he'd gone. But actually, it was his decisions that had made that happen. Um, you know, if I flick forward uh, just to a scripture here in James, it says, uh, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I think this, the opposite is the same. Move away from God and he'll probably move away from you as well. You've got to make a step towards God. So Samson forgets his relationship with God. He's all on his own. And his hair that represented his relationship with God was gone, and so was his relationship. 
and he didn't realize it until he woke up. He'd been asleep. And this is, this is such a, a fascinating insight too. He'd been asleep and he didn't realize until he woke up. I think that can, that, you know, we can be asleep to that sometimes as well. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with, bron- bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in a prison. So, you know, in those days in the prison, they would have this big, um, I would imagine, it's a big circular thing in the middle and like, these big handles and he would literally grind the grain around and around and around and around in circles. His vision was gone. His relationship was gone. His hair was gone. And he was moving around in circles. He, w- he would have thought, everything's over. Everything's done. I'm gone. And, but here's the good thing. God had a way back for Samson. He had a way back for Samson. And this is the amazing thing about God is that he is a way back for all of us. There's not just, it's, it's not just God, you feel distance from God and that's going to be it for the rest of your life. There is a way back for you and it's up to you. And have a listen to this. It says, but before long, his hair began to grow back. He must have felt his hair because he couldn't see it. He must have felt his hair growing back. And it would have sparked his imagination again. It would have sparked that relationship. It would have sparked his memory into what he once had. Um, and it says this, Samson said, so what, you, you know what happens, right? They say, bring Samson up so we can laugh at him, the Philistines. So bring him up so we can laugh at him. And um, Samson does this. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Okay, this is his way back. It's a prayer. It's one prayer. He remembers what to do and he knows the way to get back is to pray. And this is, this is for us. But this is what he says. He says, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. O God, please, please strengthen me one more time. I love that first part. Remember me again, O God. Remember me, God. I'm here. And this, this is what happens. He's just about to get his greatest victory yet. God remembers him. And this is what it says. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed. He prayed again. Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. So Samson is remembered. God re- he remembered God and God remembered him. He gave him the strength to fight again and he fulfilled his destiny. It says at the start of Judges that his destiny was that he would begin to free the Israelites from, Philist- from the Philistines and this is exactly what ends up happening. So the way back 
is for all of us is in prayer. James 4 verse 8, come close to God and God will come close to you. And listen to the next sentence. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Your loyalty is divided. This is the focus thing. I think it's really important that when we read Scripture, we read it in context of a chapter. The fact that it's got coming close to God and Him coming close to you, and then divided loyalty or divided focus... I think it's really pertinent, not only to this message, but to your worlds as well. And I believe that God has a way back for every single one of us. He's a way back. And right now, this morning, I believe that you can find your way back. If you've been away for a while, or you felt like God is distanced from you, whatever it is, God has a way back for you. And he has called you to intimate relationship with him. Not just a relationship, but a special, close relationship with him. Why don't we just close our eyes right now? I'd just like to pray.